Welcome to the Create a Relationship You Love Summit. I'm your host, Andrea Carella, and the benefits of this summit are to help couples create satisfying, authentic, harmonious, and passionate relationships. Today, we have another very special guest. Her name is Ali Lefebvre, and she is a dynamic, fun-spirited coach that helps individuals overcome overwhelm, build freedom, and self-love in their lifestyle and interpersonal relationships with more fun, making it really feasible and possible for people to integrate this into their lives. Today, we will be talking about living and loving fully and freely. We will cover how to build freedom and play into your life and into your relationship, how to break out of disconnection, workaholism, and overwhelm, and how to live a life worth living, as well as how to build more trust, empathy, compassion, love, and acceptance in your partnership, as well as growing individually. Welcome to the summit, Ali. It is so wonderful having you on today. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. It is lovely to be here. Wonderful. I'm, I'm curious a little bit about what prompted you to, to go on this journey yourself towards greater freedom and play. And then if you could share with the audience some practical tips on how they too can create more play and freedom in their life and in their relationship. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I really think our true nature is playful and is light. And I think that what happens is we start to navigate through our own world and we start to live alongside the rules of other people and the expectations of other people and who we think we should be and how we should act and how we should participate or engage in relationships. And I think, I really think that learning how to be more playful and light in your own life and in your relationship is really an undoing of all the other things you learned that got in the way. And I think that that, that was really my journey. So. I was always a really playful, fun, free, light, creative, you know, kid. And I I also think I was a really high achiever. And what happened is I started to seek a lot of validation from my achievements and from hitting certain goals and benchmarks. And so I think I lost a lot of that lightness as I was, I was trying to live up to these expectations that I was maybe were set by other people or I was setting for myself. And it felt very rigid and it felt very disconnected from kind of that true spirit. And so I think me getting into this new, more playful, lighter version of myself and, and the one that I think always existed was really, again, it was, it was part of the process was, was really tuning in, listening to myself, spending time alone, taking time to really do the work and understand what do I really care about? What do I value? When do I feel good? When do I feel like I'm most myself? When, when do I feel energized versus when do I feel heavy? So I think a, a big piece of it is really taking the time to really get back in touch with yourself and listen in because you are your best guide. And if you, if you listen to what you need, you will find your answers. And if something feels heavy and something feels uncomfortable or something feels rigid, then that is a pretty good indicator and a pretty good emotional guide that you are operating outside of your, your – in, your authenticity or your really your into, your internal guidance system. I think with so many distractions and busyness and all these habits and routines, it can be so easy for us to fall into them and really hard to detangle ourselves from it when they start becoming habits and patterns for our lives. And until probably we get to that point where we're just sick and tired of being sick and tired of the yeah. same old, same old. 
Absolutely. I think so much of us are, we operate on autopilot and we, we don't really see outside of ourselves, right? We don't see the habits operating in our lives. We don't see the stories that are affecting the lens in which we view the world because it feels like it's our everyday. It feels like our reality. And I'm a huge be- believer that we create our own reality. We create our own experiences. We create our own, you know, either incredible or toxic relationships. And I think a lot of it, it, again, it's the stories we're telling ourselves, it's the habits we're engaging in, it's the beliefs we're hanging on to. And that's really what's shaping the world that you're experiencing and, and the relationships you're in. Right. Let's see. You gave some really good suggestions on how we can incorporate more play and freedom into our life. Do you have any tips if you if somebody were to just be getting started on this journey? Three tips that are the starting points or the midpoints to start opening up freedom and play into their day-to-day schedule so they can start implementing this? Just a quick overview and kind of a, a few of the steps that I, that I take with all my clients that I think is really helpful. And the, and the first one might sound a little odd, but the first is to, to actually decide, to actually make a choice that you want to live life in a different way than you are currently. So you have to actually kind of engage every one of your sen- your senses to make a conscious choice that I want to live my life with more freedom, more play, more lightness. And that might sound silly, but I think often is we don't ever commit to doing something differently or decide to do something differently or choose to do something differently. We feel very much like we're the victims of our circumstances. And there's something about speaking out loud or writing down the fact that you are committing to this new way of living. And I think it's, it's really powerful. And I think you're kind of holding yourself accountable in the process. I think the second is, it's a big one, but it's really building awareness on building awareness on a lot of things, building awareness on what do you value? So what are you valuing above play and above freedom and how is that serving you? What beliefs are you hanging on to that are inhibiting that play and lightness and freedom and fun in your life? So it's starting to just really shine a spotlight on on those on those things. What's the language you use that might be taking these beautiful, playful, fun experiences or relationships or opportunities and really squashing them and turning them negative or making them feel heavy. So I think that the second step is bringing awareness to your life, bringing awareness to your thoughts, your feelings, your behaviors, your actions. That's a big step. So I don't know if that's like a tip or trick, but that's, I think, an important part of the process. And -hmm. I think all of us can start to bring more awareness in our life. And then I think the third would be to really start to get a vision of, of, of what does that look like? What is a life that, or what is a life that has um, more flexibility or more freedom or more energy or more excitement or more, more adventures look like? What does it feel like? Because that's going to be vision that you hold for yourself that you can start to move closer towards. So if I want, if I say I want to have more fun and freedom in my life, that's just, that's just words. That's just ad living. But what does it actually look like? Like, how would I wake up and experience my day? What would it feel like in the morning for me? So I think taking some time to actually write down, like, what would a light, playful life look like? What if I was engaging in the most energetic and excited and um, youthful and fun relationship? Like, what would it look like? What would it feel like? What would we be doing? What are how would we talk to each other? How would we be experiencing the world? How would I be showing up to the process? I know those are three kind of big steps, but I think that it's easy to scratch the surface and kind of dole out tips and tricks. But I think to actually make real change, we have to actually do some real investigating and some real work to, to kind of change some things in our lives. 
Absolutely. And I, I think even on my own journey, I am very purposeful and passionate in the work that I do. And very, you know, if I'm unconscious of it, it can take over because there's also so much joy and pleasure in the process. But I think knowing that, like for me, the importance of creating more space in my schedule is really where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. And really being intentional of going away on trips with friends or on a retreat or with my partner on a monthly basis is really what I'm feeling called to do. Or even when I see people on their paddle boards outside, I'm like, I really want to do that. Mm -hmm. And so I think I'm at a place, even for myself, of what does my ideal schedule look like? What sort of things do I want to incorporate? And then plugging it into my schedule so that it happens and really implementing that pleasure and play throughout my my week or my month or my year. And perhaps that can be helpful for people on the call too that, that maybe are struggling with that transition. I think it's great. I mean, you have, I love that you have, you have that clear vision and then you're taking action on that vision. So if this is the type of life that I want, I want to paddleboard more, I want to be outside more, I want to take vacations with my girlfriends, and then you're absolutely right. It's taking action by actually scheduling it in, carving out time, prioritizing it, you know, maybe doing it first thing in the morning. Maybe the first thing you do is go take a walk and just breathe and explore and, and kind of soak up nature, whatever that is. And it, but it really is. It takes that action step of, of prioritizing it and actually embedding it into your lifestyle. Great. I know that you help people overcome overwhelm, and I'm wondering what are some steps that people can take that are practical and that they can apply to overcome overwhelm, disconnection, workaholism tendencies that really take them away from their spirit and their quality of life and the type of relationships that they're really wanting to cultivate with their partner. I mean, I I tend to go pretty deep with folks because I think that when people are, when their their biggest pain point is that I feel disconnected or I feel alone or I feel overwhelmed, it's, they're generally self-created circumstances. And generally we create circumstances to keep us away from maybe the real issues or the real problem. And, and so it's easy to get absorbed in work because maybe we find our value in work and it's an easier place to navigate for us, even though it, we feel like we're workaholics and it's taking away from this incredible relationship that we want, et cetera. But there's still some value that work is providing. So I think, again, I think part of it is getting really honest with yourself. It's like, okay, if I take a step back and I look at the landscape of my life and I'm engaging in these behaviors or these habits or these experiences, I need to start to inquire and get curious as to why. You know, how are they serving me? Why am I focusing on... Uh, work more than my love relationship? Why am I, why am I, even though I'm overwhelmed by how many, uh, you know, hours I'm, I'm putting in the office or overwhelmed by how much stuff I have to do, you know, why is that my norm, right? How am I, how is it serving me to keep myself so occupied and distracted? So I think part of it is, again, it's just, it's an inquiry process of really kind of looking, looking within, but to get, to, to be a little bit more simplified of like, what are some things you can do once you start to uncover you know, the things that are maybe keeping you away from your higher values or the things that you actually truly want in your life is to start 
I guess I think a is focusing on on what you do want to experience. So right. So if I don't want to fe- feel overwhelmed and frustrated and anxious and tired and all these emotions that don't feel good for me, what do I want to feel? So and I'm going to focus on all the moments in my day that make me feel that. So it's a very conscious effort of, OK, I know that I'm going to focus on while I'm brushing my teeth, I am going to instead of racing and to brush my teeth and hurry up and do this. I'm going to take a couple minutes and really enjoy the process. I'm going to start to check in and tune in. How am I feeling? What am I experiencing right now? And I think what it becomes is that every action you take becomes a more focused and conscious action. And it takes you closer to how you want to feel. Because if you, instead of saying, I don't want to feel this and focusing your energy there, because I believe that the more you focus on, I don't want to feel overwhelmed. I don't want to feel overwhelmed. That's what you're attracting. You're attracting. You're attracting more overwhelm, more busyness and more, more crap you don't want. But if you start to say, I want to feel relaxed and serene and peaceful and connected and joyful, then you then your goal, your only goal becomes is I'm going to pick out every one of those moments throughout the day in which I feel those things. And I'm going to focus all my attention there. So and I'm going to I'm going to choose to make all these experiences with that throughout my day as joyful and beautiful and relaxing as possible. But I think, again, I'm a big mindset person. I think that, you know, we I think the tips and tricks for me are all kind of a mental game. Not all, but I think a lot of them are mental game. And I think part of it is what do you focus on? Um, and then I think it's it's setting up your lifestyle in a way that you cultivate more relaxing, connected behaviors. So you start to look across the landscape of your life and say, okay, what are the things that make me feel disconnected? What are the things that make me feel lonely? What are the circumstances in which I do feel overwhelmed? What And you can, can I, can I eliminate those things? Can I pair them back a little bit? Can I spend less time there, less energy there? And you start to make these small incremental adjustments. And then suddenly your life doesn't feel as overwhelming because A, you're focusing on how you do want to feel. And two, you're starting to strip away the things that are actually causing those maybe challenges or those feelings or emotions in the first place. Absolutely. And I, I think sometimes when we when we overschedule, it's Perhaps it could be a fear of missing out on something or not wanting to say no to something and wanting to do it all. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes there's just there's just only so many hours in a day and, and we have to prioritize and be able to say no to things. And I think having a clear compass on what you value, what your values are, and those guide your decisions, you become more in alignment with your truth and then things can maybe flow a little bit easier when you follow through on that guiding you rather than the shiny things along the way. Absolutely. I mean, when you know what you value, every decision becomes a thousand times easier. Because if you're just looking for things to fill your time and fill you emotionally or internally, then you will engage in a whole lot of behavior and a whole lot of action and a whole lot of activities that deplete your energy and suck the life out of you and leave you feeling just as crappy as you felt when you started. But if you really are clear on what do I value, what feels good to me, what do I enjoy, what you know, what in what ways do I feel more connected or more loved or more energized, whatever those feelings are that you want to cultivate, it's going to be 10,000 times easier to always point your compass back at the North Star because you know what your North Star is. And it's so much easier to not get distracted or overwhelmed by life because you always know how to pivot back to what's important to you. So, yeah, absolutely. I think knowing your values is key. Sure. And I, I'm thinking also for for some of the men and women on the call that are also parents where they're juggling career, juggling relationship, juggling 
parenthood and taking the kids with their schedules and so on, sometimes it could be a little bit daunting and overwhelming. And so with with those sorts of things where where maybe things that used to take up our, our time, now we have to peel back a little bit, ideally, so that mm-hmm. we can create room and space for this other element of our well-being and our, our lifestyle, like mm-hmm. having a child. How might a couple navigate that so that they can work as a team to reduce overwhelm and and really find that work-life balance in that? Because that can be a very challenging time for a couple specifically. Yeah. And so I, I, I will say that I, I do not have kids, but I'll tell you as someone who's been married uh, for five years and I've been with my husband for, for a little over seven, I think more than anything, it's focusing on the best parts of your significant other. And it is so easy to be in a relationship and to tear apart someone because they are not being, thinking, operating the way that you think they should or that they need to or that they could be. But when we become the judge and criticizer of someone else, it leaves less time and less room for us to love them and for us to support them and for us to nurture them and for us to champion them. And so the more, so the, my point is, is the more that you can focus on all the good parts of your spouse, what do they bring to the table? What do they bring to the relationship? How are they supporting you? How are they nurturing you? Instead of all the things they're not doing right, you're building a stronger foundation in which to a have more conversations that are open and honest and vulnerable. You're building a better foundation to which you can team up and to problem solve and come to solutions together because you're on, you're on each other's team. Because if you're, if you're operating as opponents, a conversation around how do we uh, find more time in our, our, in our lives or how do we be, you know, best parent our child together are going to be impossible conversations to have because you're working as opponents as opposed to teammates. And I think there, there is always going to be things about your spouse that aren't the way you think they should be or, or aren't the way you would do them. But when you focus all your energy and tension there, A, you're going to create more of what you don't want. B, you're going to create more toxicity in your relationship. And three, you're going to strip away all those beautiful moments in which you can love them. And so I think that that would be my, if I recommended anything, it's to focus on the best parts of the person you are with, whether it's marriage or dating or whatever that is. You will have a much more rock solid foundation in which to do, to take on any other challenge that comes your way. Right. It's true. I was working with a couple yesterday and they came in wanting to focus on parenting and how they could parent effectively. And I said, well, how do you normally problem solve and communicate with one another? And they shared discord and conflict. And I said, well, we need to start there because that's the piece that is in the way of being effective parents. So first we have to become really effective partners Mm-hmm. And really understand and respect and collaborate and and really hear one another and understand one another, then then it becomes easier once we put whatever obstacle or task or responsibility, parenthood, a parent passing away and dealing with those transitions, whatever the things that that come up in the landscape of the relationship, that's going to be really critical. And so with that, what, what would you say some of the, the tips that you would suggest 
or maybe even speaking from your own journey and your relationship with your partner to be able to create greater empathy and compassion, trust, love, acceptance in your partnership. I'm fortunate to have married a really good-hearted man. So he is kind to the bone. So we had a pretty good start. That being said, we're very different. We're very different people. I am high energy. I am type A. I am that, you know, stereotypical kind of achiever. And he's a laid back dude from the, from the cornfields of Iowa. And he is sweet as pie. And so we just view the world in a very different way. So, and that had its own source of conflict. He'd be like, relax. And I'd be like, tune it up a notch, you know? So, right. so, so we would have our own kind of challenges. And I would get really hot tempered and he'd kind of shut down. And so it was figuring out the dance of our own relationship. And what I think became the turning point is a few things. I think one is recognizing our differences, right? Which just seems pretty cliche, but I think recognizing that is that when we are both in pain, how do we express ourselves when we're in pain? When I'm, when I'm in pain or I'm frustrated, I... I shut off into anger and he shuts down into silence. So if part of it was understanding, okay, we're both experiencing similar things. How can I be more compassionate and empathetic to what you're experiencing? So how that actually looked like in our relationship is when we started to feel it, instead of launching into our own modes of behavior of like, our, you know, he shuts down, I, I get frustrated and I'm talking in a loud voice. What we would start to do is, hey, I'm right now what's coming up for me is I'm experiencing uh, a little anxiety or I'm feeling sad right now and it's actually coming out as anger and I don't really know how to feel that sadness yet. I just need a few minutes by myself. So it started to become like out loud dialogue of the emotions we're actually experiencing because what it did is it just, it just gave each, we just gave each other kind of that permission to like, okay, that's how you experience your frustrations. This is how I experience it. And now that I know that I don't have, I'm not, I'm not as worked up about it. So it just became this more compassionate, empathetic dialogue because we were both just being more vulnerable and honest about how we we're actually feeling. Mm-hmm. And I think the language we use uh, is, I think has been really powerful. And I can't take credit for this is I, I stole this from Brene Brown. It's mm-hmm. probably one of the best things I've ever heard is she's when her and her husband fight. And I, I do this when me and my husband have disagreements is, and I, and I'm frustrated or I feel a certain emotion. I say, the story I'm telling myself is, so I'll say the story I'm telling myself is that you don't care about X as much as I care about X. And because of that, I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling frustrated, mm. or I'm feeling angry. But when when we talk about it as like the story I'm telling myself, it suddenly becomes this third party thing that we can both talk about versus it being you're this way, I'm this way, you're that, I'm this. It becomes like this, this experience or this emotion outside of us. The story I'm telling myself is that you're not actually hearing what I'm saying right now. I'm not saying that's true or not, but that's the story I'm telling myself right now. And somehow that has like worked magic in our relationship. Yeah, it, I would it, imagine. It just yeah. gives us breathing room to, to, to navigate a more challenging situation. And, and I think that that has allowed us to have more loving dialogue, more loving com- communication, more loving empathy. I think that, so that's kind of one piece. And then I don't want to go on a total tangent, but I think the second is focus. It's like, what do I focus on about my husband? Do I focus on all his shortcomings? 
Or do I focus on all the things I love about him and all the ways in which he's incredible? Because the more that I focus on all the things that are wrong, the more wrong there's going to be and the more divide there's going to be between us and the more pain and the more grief and the more heartache and the more disconnected we're going to be from each other. And so, and when I'm in a place of always acknowledging all his goodness, we can have conversations about the areas in which we, in which we both need to grow as people or we want to learn you know, a different part of ourselves in a much more effective and fluid way. Absolutely. So, those would be my two <laughs> recommendations, I guess. Great. Yeah, I love it because I, I, I help couples navigate this negative communication so many couples can get stuck in. So I, I definitely understand what you and so many couples struggle with, where we can go into our getting and protecting behaviors, either yelling or blaming or judging or criticizing or even going into avoidance, shutdown, disconnect, protection mm-hmm. mode. Mm-hmm. And that's what we see on the surface. And I love that piece. Uh, and I love Brene Brown. She's amazing. Where she talks about, and you suggested, the story I'm telling myself because it allows you to take ownership and responsibility that that's your perception. Mm-hmm. And you also communicate it in a way that's non-defensive. And I... I think that so often our mind, our ego, goes so quickly that we just say, I think it, therefore it's so. I think it, therefore it's true. Mm-hmm. And I think that that phrase really just allows you to disengage from it and it, become the observer and and be open to seeing it differently. I think that's absolutely what it is. I think it, diffu- it diffuses it and, it, and it does. It, it takes, it strips the defense away from the situation and it puts you in the driver's seat is that you are fully responsible for what you're experiencing and your own emotions. And I think that's a really powerful place to engage in a relationship that I am fully responsible for what comes up for me. And it's not your fault. You're not to blame. I'm fully responsible for my experience right now. And that's a really powerful you can get to that place in a relationship. I think it's very powerful. It doesn't mean that you're never going to experience frustration and pain and irritation, but it's such a different lens in which to view your relationship. And uh, and I'll just add, I just want to add one thing, just because what what I focus on with with the women I work with is uh, self esteem and self worth. Is that I believe that you will never love someone more than you love yourself. And so if there is ever anything to focus on before you even learn to navigate your relationship in a healthy way. It's learn how to navigate yourself and learn how to build your own self-worth and your own self-esteem because your ability to love and connect and and feel compassion and feel empathy will only be to the degree at which you feel it for yourself. Absolutely. Yes. If you, you, it's hard to, to give what you don't have. It's an important process to be able to give your own self compassion and empathy and love and acceptance and trust so that ultimately in your relationship you can cultivate that mm-hmm. and probably attract somebody that can also be at that place that they have all those tools in their toolkit that they can actually contribute to the relationship rather than coming from a dependent, weak, unwhole place. You come from a whole place. Coming uh, to a relationship is half full. You are always looking for someone to fill you. And if you come to a relationship as full to the brim, all the goodness within you can pour over into that relationship. And so if you want to have a relationship in which you aren't always trying to take or extract from it, then you have to fill yourself first. 
Sure. And I, I think the other piece of creating a positive communication cycle with our partner is really getting in touch with what is it that I need and what is it that I, I, I'm feeling underneath this anger? Because if mm-hmm. we take the time to really reflect before we express, uh, we actually get in, in tune and in touch with what those things are. And sometimes maybe we grew up in homes that needs weren't even acknowledged or thought about. So when you think, what do you need? It, it, some people don't even know what they do need. So mm-hmm. being able to differentiate what it is. Do I need compassion? Do I need to be heard? Do I need to be accepted in some way? Do I need harmony in this moment? And being able to communicate that. Is a big undertaking is to really know yourself enough to know what you're, what, know what you're asking for. Sure. Do you have any other tips that, that couples could apply in their, in their lives to improve their, their intimacy, their sexual connection with one another, their foreplay, their attraction in their day-to-day interactions? I think that the, the most, I would say I, I could leverage my own relationship to say, I think what has kept us in such a healthy sexual and romantic and playful relationship is that we are light about so many things. We have fun. We laugh around the house. The way we even engage in discussion when we're, you know, if we're annoyed or frustrated is we kind of tease each other and we're kind of silly about it or we're a little fun and playful. And they're, and, and we're really committed to that is is keeping it light. And it doesn't mean that we're, uh, we're afraid of heavy topics. It's not that. It's that we recognize, I think what we're recognizing is that there's a lot of things in life that are really important and that can be heavy and can be a big deal. And let's not focus our energy there on, on the little light, fun parts of our relationship, right? So when things aren't a big deal, let's keep them not a big deal. And let's keep bringing that playfulness, that fun energy to our relationship. And so we're really romantic. We, we hold hands all the time. We cuddle. I, I mean, we kiss a million times a day. And, and I think that can be hard in a relationship quite often when there's angst or resent or frustration or anger, whatever that emotion is, I think it makes it really hard to want to be physical and want to connect or want to come together as a couple. I also think there's some power in coming together as a couple physically in some way to allow some of that emotional tension to dissipate. I think there's something powerful about if you are having a big discussion or you are having a heavy discussion to hold hands while you do it or to look into each other's eyes or to somehow connect physically. I just think, I think prioritize, I think again, it's a prioritization. It's like I'm prioritizing our, our chemistry and our connection really in everything we do. So I really think that that's been the biggest thing is we, we play all the time. We play and we have fun and we, we make life light and we enjoy each other and we do a lot of fun things together and we honor each other in our own little quirks and habits. And, and, uh, and I think it's made, it's kept our chemistry alive because I think we're, we're just really enjoy each other's company. Right. It's almost as though there's a light inside of you and a light inside of him and you, you keep this high vibration in your interactions and in your activities and your words and your behaviors and your gestures and affection that it elevates you as opposed to dissipates and decreases your frequency energy. Absolutely. And again, I think it comes back to you know, doing the work on yourself. I think you're only going to be able to feel as comfortable or 
playful or energetically sexy or sensual in an intimate relationship to the degree you feel it alone, to the degree you feel good in your skin, to the degree you feel comfortable in your own body, you feel comfortable with your own sexuality. So I think it's really important that um, to really keep that present and keep that alive within yourself because I think that makes the ability to connect and uh, both sexually or energetically or emotionally or however you want in a much easier and more fluid and natural process. Wonderful. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. I found it so fun and and engaging. Good. It was so fun chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. Wonderful. Now, I know you have a very special free gift for our audience. Can you share what that is that you'd like to share and how they can access it? Yeah. So it is so it's a fun program I put together. It is called Get Your Life Together. And and what it is, we cover a few different topics. Uh, one is kind of get, get your body right. So get your kind of physical self in a healthier spot. Get your emotional and mental self in a healthier spot. And then just getting more clear on what do you actually want to create in your life. And so um, you can access it on, on my website. It's AllieLefever.com. And um, it is, it's, you'll see it, it's Get Your Life Together program. And it's super fun. And I hope you guys enjoy it. And, you know, definitely shoot me an email and let me know what you thought. Great, Allie. Wonderful chatting with you again today. You too. Have a lovely, lovely day. Thank you. Once again, I'm your host, Andrea Carella with True Potential Counseling. And just to recap what we covered on today's show with Ali, we talked about how to build freedom and play in your day-to-day routine and life, how to break out of overwhelm, disconnection, and workaholism tendencies so that you can live a life worth living, as well as how to build trust empathy, compassion, love, and acceptance in your partnership, and even spice things up and keep things fun and playful with affection and chemistry and sex. Stay tuned for tomorrow's next interview on the Create a Relationship You Love Summit series. We have an amazing lineup of speakers, so definitely be sure to check your inbox tomorrow so you can stay connected with what is up next. Have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow.